Hi, Brett and LT here. If you thought last year's Wellness Summit was big, just wait for the 2016 edition. New speakers, incredible venue, world-class exhibitors, and 1,000 of your closest wellness enthusiasts hanging around all in one place. A strictly limited number of two-for-one tickets have just been released, so get in whilst you can enjoy the Wellness Summit for less than $10 per hour. We haven't released any tickets for quite some time, and this block of tickets are available right now. All you have to do is go to thewellnesssummit.com. That's thewellnesssummit.com. Enter your name and your details, and then mark off your calendar for the 10th and 11th of September in your diary, and we'll see you at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre for the biggest wellness event of the year. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I am Kim Morrison. And I am Cindy O'Meara. And you are into part two of the uh, other half of the O'Meara-Morrison duo. We still don't have our beautiful Karen around, so we knew last week when we were going to split this one up that we would enjoy an ongoing conversation with the men behind these two souls of Up For A Chat. Enjoy the second part of this interview with the gorgeous Howard and Danny. How, what would you say to a young man who's coming up in, in his teens, coming into his young 20s, what would, both, what would be your words of advice? And women, what would you be saying to the young women? Just tough one. Can you summarise that in two sentences, what the question was? There's two roles. There's the nourishing and, and, and nurturing, and there's the protecting and providing. providing. So there, there's those two distinct roles that were always played out. And um, so then the question is... So, so the thing is, is if we, I believe if we can get back to the essence of that, that's truly what will get us through all these advancements and technologies and all these things that are changing. And years gone by, we've had cultural traditions where men would be taken in their teenage years and be taught how to hunt and gather or go out with the men. They were taken away from the tribe. Women would go into the red tent when they got their periods and they'd be nurtured into understanding what that meant, with great relief to probably all the men. Um, <laughs> but they'd be taken to the red There was culture, there was tradition around when we reach thresholds or roles or rights to get there. What I'm asking you is if you would love that to be a case or you would love that kind of philosophy and ethos, what would your advice to the younger generation be both men and women, what would you be saying? How would you say to them, this is how you could behave, like, you know, from respect and trust and truth and talking? And what, what are your feelings, both of you, on, on what that means? What does that look like? Yeah, tough question um, because there's so many um, factors in there that we are crossing over. So, you know, 50 years ago, my parents' day, it was, the roles are pretty well defined. So this day and age, yes, they're crossing over a lot. So what would I say um, to young children? What would I say to my kids? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that uh, when I became of age to go to the pub in New Zealand, my dad took me to the pub. And that was kind of like the, the ritual or the passing of, of you know, into to manhood, so to speak, um, with Brogy, and I took him aside and just we just went out and spent time together. I think we was about 16. 
Um, and I know you did it with the girls. So it's important to maintain those roles. It's important to have some crossover as well, that no one person has defined exactly who they are. And there's a big button there, though. And I just talked to um, some of the kids recently, not my, my own kids, but some of the other kids. And I said, but, you know, it's so important in a relationship, in your own life, that you maintain who you are, right? If you're a bloke, maintain. It doesn't mean you have to be blokey, but maintain your dignity. Maintain the guy's role. Maintain who you are. Don't ever lose that. And make sure when you come into a relationship, whatever it may be, two guys, two girls, guy and girl, whatever it may be, that you retain your integrity and you retain who you are. Because I think, no, I think I know that can get lost. It can get lost. Mm -hmm. So I think for both male and female relationship coming into whatever they do into life, it's very, very important to maintain who they are and have a great idea of who they are. Mm. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, big time. So what do you think, Dan? I'm fortunate when I look at, see, like, for Kim and I, slightly younger than your offspring. We, oh, I thought slightly. he meant us, and we got that in again. Yeah, <laughs> we just got that in again, did we, Dan? <laughs> just as well. You too, uh, Because I look at Jake, and, I, and he's 16, and the, the fortunate thing that Kim and I have with too is that um, Kim's brother's here, and they've just been to Japan snowboarding. Mm. So, for like, for, for what worked for me was having other male mentor role models around. Like, I didn't have my father around. He was even Aussie a lot. Um, was that I had Murray Deke, who was my deputy principal and cricket coach and stuff like that. And my uncle, who was way in and out flying a bit. It's a bit like a role I do now, actually, funny enough, ironically. Um, <laughs> is that I'm in and out, tearing around. And yet Jake's got his uncle. Um, and they go and do this regular ritual there. And then we've had other family functions, whether it's been weddings or Christmas holidays. Beautiful Talon is a lovely yeah, mentor yeah. for Howie. There's very few. Yeah. There's What I'm noticing with the younger generation is there's very few people that they really put their heart and trust mm. into, you know, and it's that what you were saying before. I thought that was a really integral part. You took Brogy out. You just been, it's actually about creating time mm. and rituals and mm. making those, having dates with your daughters or having dates with your sons. Yeah, and I did that, I, I did that recently with Taylor when I came back from Dubai. I, Went to a table for um, uh, brunch. I'm just going up to Velo um, and just having that quite and just talking to it and getting to know what's happening in her world. Um, and, and you know, took her to buy point shoes, daddy, yeah. daddy daughter yeah. date. It was just, I think, and again, those roles of her and, and Taylor's so focused anyway. She's in that Queensland National Ballet Academy. Uh, she's got a part time job um, at the Prickly Pinata. So Taylor, in a way, for her, is very focused and she knows what she wants. It's interesting looking at different characters. And I suppose you look at male or female roles, what could you get them into that they're stimulated and, and achieving and doing things? And I run into guys who Harry and I laughed about this and we've been over in South Africa or we've been in places where you do two years national service, they got pulled back to one year national service to six months. And when you look at society, they we're having those very much government-enforced things, particularly for males, and I'm talking men here, that they got out and they did stuff as a group and they had to. Now, that's been abolished in South Africa in terms of uh, the national service. Mm. In terms of having something that they go to, and that's either you think about a sport, where you go to sport and you do stuff in the morning. And not a lot of people get that. Not a lot of privilege. You say it's a privileged thing where they can either go and do a sport that's organised, and that's no way to me in terms of the males, spending quality time together and having those rituals together and doing that. And that goes for women too, doing whatever it is, 
but having a quality thing. And I think it's a physical thing. And we and Howard and I, from our backgrounds, very physical. We like to go and train in the morning, get it done, get up into the day and do that. And whether that's male or female going surfing or in a group going to do something else to train and do stuff, I think is, is hugely important, I think, mentally for us to go and do something physical in the morning. And whether, whether it's a group you're involved with because you're, you know, you're with a kayak thing or you, you, know, you belong to a you know, surf lifesaving club here on the coast, great. Or you do belong to a sporting code of such or a dance company, whatever it is. Jeez, I, think, I just think it's crucial for youngsters to do that because there's so many, as we've all discussed here, crossing over patterns of the female-male role that you've got to be a little bit more diverse today. And so it depends what you want to do, but I just can't get away from physical stuff mm. in the morning, getting up as a ritual and doing that before your day starts because it kickstarts your day mentally and physically. Did he answer the question? What was your question? What I, would you, and what would your advice be to Taylor or Jacob right. or your children yes. as to stay like how he was saying, maintain your your dignity, dignity. your own yeah. sense of yeah. self? And, and I think that's really powerful. And by doing that, I reckon it's not just saying it, but it's also um, it's also being that. What would your advice yeah. be yeah. to, yeah. or if Cindy's kids came to you and how his son came, or, I mean, both their kids, but if Brogan came to you and said, geez, I need some help, like, yeah. how would you talk to them? Yeah, and I think, I think in terms of being your own man, and that's easy to say, be your own man, give lip service to that. I think the hardest thing at the moment in society, and we've seen this whole thing around drinking, like how is in the old days you, you get taken to the pub and that this one hit punch thing is just obscene how it's going on and I think the breakdown of society where men really um, this whole culture around drinking and sport and everything it's about keeping you know what's right and wrong and those whole values of knowing what's right and wrong to not go out and do that not to go out and abuse yourself to that point where you're going to do that and get into it physical confrontation, it's just mind-blowing. Of all the other things, you can get into a whole social thing. But if I spoke to someone, I'd say, I'd love you to be involved in a, in a club or a social environment that is physically active and healthy. And then, because then it allows you to then possibly keep your own dignity and have focus. Because you can easily get lost in, I think, today's society, because it's so electronic, because it's so easy, in a way, for people to hunt and gather and make money, is that they get lazy and they want everything yesterday, as we talk about this Y generation, they want everything yesterday, but have they got the values, the core values of actually knowing right and wrong and wanting to target something that takes a while to achieve, actually have a sense of achievement. That's what I think in society now gets broken down because everything's instant and you can get it instant and quick, online, let's have it. Whereas you need to, I think you need to as people relate more and I think that's why these groups we're going about groups we're going about podcasting about talking about issues is that that sort of stuff's all broken down because life's got more complicated and fast is that you don't talk around sit around and talk to stuff and then what really matters simple things that really matter your values where you're at what you're doing in your life what you're trying to achieve takes a bit of time takes a bit of effort and love so for me talking to, to youngsters today I'd say I'd really be in, a, in like-minded people where you're doing something physical that you like doing, it gives you stimulus, you're targeting towards something that could take a bit of time to, to do and achieve. So what about in a relationship, though? So um, what would your advice be to a young couple 
you know, like Howard said, you know, keep your individual um, personality, you know, don't get lost in it. Mm. What would yours be? I think, I think like for young couples together, I think you've really got to see and expand of what you like doing together. Obviously, there are those common things, but you might be very different characters, but you've got to have some sort of similar interests. You've actually got to like spending time together and going <laughs> away together. You know, and whether that looks like doing a camping thing or like when we've been with Howie, and you don't have to be surface to go out and go and camp up at DY Point. Go and just get out and about and spend some time doing that. You know, we can all go and get on a plane and go down somewhere exotic stay in a nice four-star, five-star hotel and then it can all be nicey-nicey. But I think once you get out in the elements a bit more, and spend a bit of time just doing simple things. Like camping. And yeah, camping. Walking and hiking. You talked about I like to go back to the 1950s, yeah, you know, because everyone sat around the dinner table at night and had dinner. You know, and we talked and there's no phones and there's no... Dad came home and everyone was there and they sat down and, mm. and they talked and they discussed family issues and all that kind of stuff and that's breaking down, you touched on it, there's a breakdown, I think, of morality in terms of what's happened, the one-punch situation. Dad's fathers are not doing the role model as they should do because there's other pressures, there's work, there's survival, there's finances, there's everything else that comes around, and we're just not doing it enough. The men of the 1950s did not have (laughs) adventurous lives. They worked at one job. Mm. They did the same thing over and over again. They left the home. They went to work. They came back. So I can't see you going back to that, Howie. You are an adventurer. You That's the last thing that would keep you happy. So... Okay, this is a, this is just kind of actually quite interesting. Yeah, because I can't we have this see all the time. doing this. I, use, I, I talk about a concept and Cindy get right down to the nitty-gritty. I just say, Cindy, it's a concept. Okay. You know, I mean, there's so many factors in there. Maybe we don't it's know, more the values. You know, my the dad values. went out adventuring, but he had the one job. In fact, he mm. had three jobs, but he was an adventurer. He got out there. Okay. He had a ball. We went camping and boating and fishing. We had a <laughs> batch down on Waikiki and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, yeah, there's all that kind of Yeah, you did see that in the 50s. Mm. That's what you yeah. saw. Was you there, did see that. There was more family We didn't together. get to do what we can do now. We can mm. be on a plane and be in Nepal hiking in how long did it take? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 15 hours. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you're hiking. You can do those things now. So the world is different. The world oh, yeah, the has world, changed yeah, completely. Different. You can be an international sports star traveling the world and then go off and be an international broadcaster for 20 years seeing India. And, and so that, that concept of what we had in the 50s, I don't think. No, I'm talking. I'm now. talking family. I'm not talking mm. about anything outside. The you know, I'm Danny thinking... goes away and can trip around. But when he comes back, it's family. So you sit around the dinner table and you have that conversation. You know, we trip around um, when we're kid, when the kids were young. We came back, you sat around the table. You know, you had dinner, you had everything together. One I thing Cindy said on a podcast before, which you two have both spoken a lot about, you and Howie. Um, one thing that you have always both probably pushed a lot, which I think is a really important point to to offer young couples is you might be different people, you might have different careers, different pathways, and, yes, you might enjoy time together, but you've both always stressed the importance of what you value, that if you, so long as you have the same values... Mm, Very um, true. ..that that can support you to grow in whatever direction, so your values might be 
to immunise or not immunise. Your values might be to eat whole food and go to organic markets and, and nurture the what that means. Or to save money or use it for adventures, such as going around Australia or um, religious values. Or There's so many vast values out there. And if your, your values are the exact opposite, it's very hard to stay. You know, um, as a couple, I've seen couples disperse because of their health values or their financial values or their, yeah, you know, you're right. It's, it's. Yeah, your values have to be not exactly the same. They have to be similar. You know, you can have some different values on some of it, but they certainly have to be aligned. Yeah, lines are good work. And I think they're the conversations you need to have as um, young couple growing, you know, go, coming together. Mm. What because, would you do when we have children? Yeah. What would you would you homeschool? Would you want us to, you know, spend money? Because the oft, often the thing is we're re, we're attracted to our opposite. So uh, we might be attracted to someone that is very happy to sit on the couch and watch TV while you're someone who wants to go and climb a mountain. Mm. So, and whilst at the beginning you love that because, oh, they bring spontaneity or they bring calm to your life, as we all know, after seven years, (laughs) (laughs) it can change. Those things that you loved about the person can become the thing that totally irritates you. So something that Danny and I did when we went through, when his sister tragically took her life, um, I don't know if someone bought it for us or what happened, but we were gone. neither of us had dealt with that before. And I want to ask you both um, if we can go a little bit deeper here again around your experience of loss. But one thing that was given to us as a couple was dance classes just after Zara died. It was really weird. Um, but then it was the best thing because all of a sudden we were, we got out of this immense grief and it pushed us together to go and learn something completely different you've both lost people very close to you you've both well all of us have obviously I'm just understanding from a man's perspective and from you know your guys's perspective how do men deal with grief and what's a great way to deal with grief these days (laughs) wow god you ask some hard questions Um, it's it, that's an interesting, interesting question, great question, because um, you know through policing, I saw a lot of death and some horrific, horrific stuff. Um, how do we deal with it? We just got on and did it. We just carried on. Stiff and people, you mean like? Well, not even stiff. You just kind of did it. You just did your job and away you went. And all the guys that I patrolled with and policed with and all that kind of stuff during those times and all those horrific deaths are still around and they're, they're not mentally disabled or can't express themselves or anything. It's just part of the job. And even now, you know, with my parents losing both parents, um, sure, you know, it kind of thinks, well, it rocks you a little bit. But for me, I just get up and, and keep going. And a brother. You've lost yeah, both brother. parents yeah. and a brother. Yeah. It just, and your dad young. Yeah, I lost my dad pretty young. That was tough. Um, and I actually read a book um, called Manhood. I just forget the the author um, at the moment. Stephen um, Bitter. Stephen Bitter. Mm. Um, some years later. He wrote Raising Boys. Yeah, yeah Raising Boys, yeah. yeah. Um, and, the, and the Manhood. So some years later, I was sitting at Coolan Beach reading that book, and he said, forgive your parents, forgive stuff. And I remember bursting into tears at that time because I had never forgiven my father for dying when I was at that age of 21. Because he was talking about we're going to build boats together, we're going to do all this stuff together, and I lost him. So that was that was pretty tough. Um, 
that's probably the first time I've really acknowledged the fact that maybe there was some grief in that I hadn't dealt with. But everything else, you know, people say, are you holding in grief? I don't know. I don't think so. It's just one of those things that in my culture, in my life, in my work that I've done, I just get up and do it. And that's the same in changing habits. Just get up and do it. You get knocked down, get up and do it. Get knocked down, get up and do it. Yeah, I, think, know, I think we need people like that, though, in our world. We need people that are the, the get up and keep going. Because yeah. if we all sat there wallowing and tried to digress we everything... We do a bit more in this day and age. You know, we just... Things happen, and then we all got to go to counselling. And we all got to do this, and we all got to do that. And I just go... Man, just get over yourself. Just get up and get going. <laughs> get over yourself. Get over yourself. <laughs> you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, there's no um, disgrace in being knocked down. The only disgrace is if you don't get up again. Mm. That's where it is. And that's for me, I kind of live by that. Mm. You know, and get knocked down, get up. Knocked down, get up. Mm. You know? Do you think, though, from uh, look, at the end of the day, women want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> women want to talk. And men don't necess- and men want to fix. So the minute we start pouring our hearts out to you guys, you instantly want to go into, or tell her what you're thinking, or go and do this, or fix it, or pay. Sometimes I think um, where relationships can break down is sometimes a man doesn't have to fix it for us. We just want to talk. And sometimes a woman doesn't need to just get up and get on. She just needs to fall in a heap for a day or half a day or whatever it is. Do you think there's a crossover of where that finished? Like, obviously, you wouldn't want Cindy wallowing forever in something or your daughter's wallowing in something, but there is the allowance, I think, is is what you're talking about, the respect of each of each sex, is that the, the female can fall apart for a minute. She will get back up, but just, you know, allow her that and let her talk it all out. <laughs> well, Danny, sometimes I've said to him, I've talked, 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 and then he's gone, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen to me. Or I've done the opposite where I've gone into telling him what to do, whereas he's actually very capable of working it out himself, you know. So I think what we've learned, and I think what I'm hearing from you, is is honouring those roles but allowing each other a little bit of movement in there to be that vulnerable female or that strong keep going, get up. Because is it hard for you sometimes, Cindy, if how he keeps just getting back up or does that... You like it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like when he... Like, I know when we lost, you know, those five females in our life, including Howard's mother and my mum and sister and our friend Suzanne and my grandma. I, I remember when that happened in that year. I remember Howie when his dad, whose mum died, which was the last one, he just went, I'm over this death thing. Mm. And I just remember that as clear as day. And, and it was almost like, okay, well, that's the end then. We've finished the that run but during like he was always up I remember I wanted to do something with my mum's I wanted to dress my mum when she died and Howard came in and helped me dress my mum mm-hmm. you know and even though her body was very heavy wasn't it she was probably 45 50 kilos but because it's a dead weight mm-hmm. I remember him helping him and my brother helping me dress her because I wanted to put something pretty on her I didn't want her to slip to go to the so stupid, the funeral parlour in her. No, she she would be mortified. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, I just, I like the get up, I, I think. And and that, you know, that's going back to the traditional roles mm-hmm. is that the male has always got up and, and dealt with the things and then the female's been able to have that little bit of wallowing. Mm. So if we rever- reverse that role again, 
it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's, it it's interesting right. a couple of things you said there, particularly with the mum. You know, I just as I still do now, I dropped straight back into the policeman's mind. Yeah. Yeah, so to me it was just it was another dead body. Even though it was Cindy's mum, it was cool. another dead body. And it just to me I just handled that no problems at all. But um, you are our crisis man. Oh my god. <laughs> you are the one that we all bring turn to and everything because we know how we all keep calm while the rest of us are flapping. So <laughs> I think this is really fun. I have to tell him this story. So I cut my head. Okay. So I cut my head and it's yeah. It's um and, you know, I'm a little bit afraid of it. And the doctor's saying to me... Is this me, your skiing accident? This is my skiing accident where I get the six stitches in my head. And the doctor's saying, hey, um, well, you know, you could need to go and have... What was it? An MRI? MRI. MRI. Yeah. Because you could have a some hebatoma or whatever. And Howard goes and looks at my wound and he goes, yeah, just stitch her up. She'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as he said that and took control... I knew I was okay. Yeah. But before I'm like going, well, could I? But I don't have any of the symptoms for that. And so I'm going through that. But Howard took control and just went, just stitch her up and let me just fine. say that we're very glad you had Howard there and not Danny. You'd be beautiful and I would. Just Can you imagine it? You mentioned that role about listening as well. Mm. And it's really quite interesting because I've learned mm. – here in terms of roles, we talked about roles and maintaining who you are, but also learn, you know, with Cindy. So she'll start, and I'll actually ask her nine times. She'll ask her, say, "Okay, what do you want me to do? With this? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, what do you want from me? You know?" And she'll say, "I'll just listen." So I just can't listen. You turn off. But I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I asked, I said, to "Him, did you hear me say that?" What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> but I ask, you know, so that's the thing, you know. So instead of really jumping good. into mm. that mm. right at the beginning of our marriage was, yeah, you know, the male thing. And I was used to that. You know, as, as the policeman and, and particularly the um, bodyguard work, you've got to make decisions, bang, 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 like that, right on the spot, bang, get yourself out of danger, whatever, do it, go and kill the beast, you know, the hunter, go and kill the beast. So that's what I was doing. And certainly that created friction because Cindy just wanted to vent, you know, get the ideas out there and do it. So, you know, we have to learn. We have to change. However, on saying that, you know, we can change so much too much as I believe men have. And we've, as I said way back in this conversation, we've lost our role. So there's a fine line. Where is that line? I don't know. But something has to be done. It's about treating each role with respect as well. Like as far as coming back as the man, you know, the, there was a lot of arrogant men in the 50s and very abusive men and very um, stilted women and things, which is probably where the whole movement started and coming, and coming about. So what I love about you two in particular, and we feel very lucky to have you both, is that you're very respectful of the role that we play and you're also, because we're out there, mm. us two are out there, <laughs> not slaying dragons as such, but we're out there trying to create and yet you both allow us the freedom to do that as well as hold us in your arms when we're a blubbering mess going, why are we doing this? <laughs> it's um, a joke, right? It's a joke, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Uh, what, is, what is your thought? Because you're not, you're not what I'd call like Howie. It's like driven and organised. Yeah, and, and it's not that that's bad. You're still a man. Like, you're still a very strong man. So what would you say to the more relaxed, peaceful type of men out there as opposed to the, the hunter-gatherer out there men? Yeah, and I think, as Howie just touched on, I think that the, the chatting together 
and actually communicating well. Because look, this divorce rate, and you hear, geez, I heard someone on the radio driving along here. There's some get together. There's another club that's been organised, and they're doing some thesis on it about all the divorce rate here in in Australia. There's something happening here on the coast. Because to me, it's you've got to communicate, you've got to talk. And as Howard and Cindy just said there, the mechanism of well, what do you want from me? We'll actually express that. What do you need from me? And how does that look? And then the right of reply, well, I need you this, this, and this. I just want you to listen. I want you to hold me. I just, you know, I just want to unload. Can you let me unload, you know, whatever. And so there's that side of it. And, and to me, it sounds simple, but I think we all get bombarded with different things that are pulling us in different directions all the time, whether that's offspring, whether it's your work, whether it's cut going on and stress at work and other relationship dynamics at work, then you've got to somehow put that to the side where it matters for both of you. And at home, that's key. And I think if you don't have that in your relationship where you can stop and actually have that quality communication, and like, look, Kim and I are wordy. For people listening are very wordy in terms of text, doing that, or a voice message. Never. 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 <laughs> Do that a lot. So that works for me, because we're like that. And, and, and that's not for everyone. It's just, it's just simply not. Whereas others will be more quiet, and you talk about me as a peaceful type of, you know, mellow one that doesn't engage in too much of the confrontation. And that's different. That's different for me. I can step back from that um, and allow things to unfold and do what you do. But it's also because of my role of what I do, and people would see that this is an escapism, is because I spend a lot of time away working and doing what I do with my work and my passions, and I'm, and I'm blessed, and I'm totally upfront and grateful for that. Doing what I do. Whereas Howie, in terms of how he's here on the coast, and I get a bit envious at times too, but how he's got all that expertise of what how he's created within changing habits, which is massive, right? And that's not particularly me in terms of being inside this. But could it do that for me? Could I? Could I evolve in when another side, role? Here? When you're saying inside this, you're talking about inside twenty eight. Could that? And that's the other challenge that we have right now in doing this podcast and, and talking about things. Could that be for me too? What how he's done within changing habits. I don't know what that looks like, but could there be other angles, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And could I peel back from what I'm doing so much away to do that to help you in other roles? Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be out front doing a big thing because that's in a way that's not me either. And that's just because of my personality that's different. So there's different ways of handling it. And I think it's being able to recognise that in your relationship between male and female and whatever you bring to the table or how your relationship works. All right, well, here's the question. Oh, another curly one. What's the perfect woman? Like, seriously, what's the perfect relationship? And we all know it's not perfect, but no, what was the wrong. ideal most... I mean, you guys have been married how many years? Uh, 30 this year. 30 wow. years. It's is pretty extraordinary. Wait, 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 wait for it. Okay, what are you going to say, <laughs> Howie? What are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, I would have got less from her. I'd be out of jail by Double now. life. Double life. <laughs> He says it all the time. Oh, look at Les for murder. Yeah, I'll be out free roaming the country by now. <laughs> how, how do you guys get through tough times? You've uh, had them. You've uh, been blistered with them. What are, how do you? How do you guys pick yourselves up? We don't talk to each other for quite a while, and then we start talking again. But but that could just be a sense of. You both just need that time space. out, and space. they both need space. So mm. is that that can be a winning formula, right? Um, I believe now we've learned that yeah, it's important for time out. Mm. It really is. You know, you've got to be able to 
uh, respectfully walk away and just even say, not now, not now. Um, I remember a couple of times, you know, with Cindy, particularly I've come back tired, you know, and Cindy said something and questioned me about something. I have just say, if you want to fight, we can have it now or you can wait for a little while, you know. And it's just understanding that, that if the other person's not really ready for it, you've got to be able to have the respect to walk away as well. Even though it's on the tip of your tongue and you want to spit it out, you want to get rid of it, you just got to hang off a bit because if you don't, it's going to be World War Three. I also yeah. think, uh, for me, like, I also think it's about realizing all the good. Like, there's all everyone's got bad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no perfect woman out there. There's no perfect no, man out exactly. there. But I think it's about always focusing on the good and not focusing on the bad. Mm. I mean, I, that's what I think. I just yeah. think. If you're focusing on the bad, you're only going to see, and it is only 10% probably of, would you say that, Danny? I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, and the classic for me in terms of uh, emotional upheavals of, of coming to the coast, other um, all other dramas at home and then here, was, was the classic with Jacqueline Trost asking the question of Kim and I, well, do you love each other mm. and do you want to stay together? And the answer is yes to both. And well, then and she said, well, there's, there's no problem. <laughs> so then you obviously have to move a lot forward from that. So for us, yeah, lots of side swipes and upheavals. And of course there is. And no one's perfect. Um, so in terms of you asking about the perfect woman, I just think, I think it's just, you know. Uh, Kim Morris is the Kim perfect Morrison. woman. <laughs> for those you can't see gesturing, Kim Morrison, you're taking a bow. Perfect job. And sitting in there and curtsy, curtsy in the queen. Um, yeah, yeah, we had to say it. I don't, I don't think there's anything really as the perfect woman no. or the perfect guy. No. You know, you learn and you kind of adapt as you go, still maintaining your dignity and still maintaining your character, but you do change and adapt as you go. All right. um, and marriage, you know, you, people, when I got married, I got married. It's mm. too easy to walk away from yeah. it. And that comes back to family values. Yeah. You know, my parents, you know, they, they were married forever. Um, so marriage was important. Marriage was something I was never going to walk away from lightly. No, it was really important. Marriage was important. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you got married, you got married. And too many, you know, this, the breakdown of family values, everyone walks away from it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. A lot of people walk away from well, it. Or 50% now. do. 50%. Yeah. It's, it's too easy. So we're losing that family value, losing the values of what should be instilled. Mm-hmm. Respect, you know, treat each other properly. And marriage is a as a sharing and working at it, working. As I say, this, I keep pointing the finger. Why generation? I think because the landscape is completely changed because of the internet. We all know that. And I'm stating the obvious. Everything's fast and furious, and so if it doesn't really work out, oh well, it's disposable. Like everything else yeah. is disposable. Yeah. My marriage is disposable. I'll just get another one. I'll just get a new. Which is sad because it comes back to what how and you, we're all saying the values of. Shit, let's work at this. Let's absolutely work at this. Warts and all, and it's going to be tough, and there's difficult times to you know, navigate and go through. People just don't. I do that. chuckle when I marry couples, and I have them sitting in front of me, and I say, you know, as a marriage celebrant, because I truly believe in the institution of mm. marriage and 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 committed relationships, and they sit there and. Oh, no, we don't fight. Oh, no, no. No, <laughs> we never have problems. And I'm sitting there, really. Um, what about, so from family, we talk marriage, health. 
What does that mean to you both? What does health look like in both of your worlds? As in what you've learnt? Can I, if, if I can say to you, Danny, like obviously from our point of view, your body was our income. <laughs> <laughs> Is that I right? Totally Jim? looked after it. <laughs> so you were soothing, you were great. I was soothing. <laughs> you put her right. I'm still shaving my legs to get on the table from time to time. You get massage. Love it. Big, a big aha just recently for you from a diet point of view was reading Novak Djokovic's mm. book all around dropping gluten, which has been a massive yes. issue for you. And, we it's still, have, sorry. And, look, sorry, and it still is. And look, and, and if I'm really honest, there's still times when you're naughty, right? And then, in the same, like say, treating yourself or something, you're not, you're poisoning yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's not a treat. No, it's not. You're poisoning it's not a treat at all. So, in terms of for me, Mine's a work in progress, which I'm actually excited about, <laughs> right? I'm actually excited. People love it. And you, see, you can hear Cindy and Kim laughing because of my, my belching disorder and my digestion of abusing it. But you're right. It's a start in terms of, and, and it was sad, and we had, let's, let's be honest about this, men who listen to this podcast, bear was a tough thing. A bear is a tough thing to give up. It's, but you just move forward. Just get on. It's just how we. And then... <laughs> so, ski instead. Yeah, yeah. So just head to it. And, then, and then like bread, don't miss bread and the whole gluten thing. Really not missing bread and pasta and have a little bit of rice. Not all the time. But still a little bit of rice. But there's a lot for me to still, you know, confront about that. But I'm, I'm grateful in terms of being around uh, the O'Meara-Morrison combination um, of you two. Because it is, and in a way, it would be it'd be life threatening. And knowing that I've still got a lot to, uh, it's a lot of hoops to, to jump through. Really, if I'm if I'm clean and honest about this, um, I'd love to come back and do what some of your your friends and colleagues have done in terms of like an eighteen week detox. The hardest thing for me is, is sticking to it, like on the road, um, and then being in places like India and, and and the West Indies where you can't get certain foods. And then you just become too depressed. And seriously, that's the other side of me. And having been through depression um, and being, you know, down the other side of the mountain and back a bit, the, the health issue for me is, is the food and understanding the gluten intolerance and getting away from the wheat yeast combinations of lots of things um, has helped me mentally as well as still like how am I training together or if I'm away doing exercise. You know, for me, is, and, and Dr. Carlos Sanchez said, you know, really your treat so treated because of treats, Daniel Poison, he put in inverted commas, was a bit of red wine and the odd maybe little scotch for medicinal purposes, but I still guess I wouldn't do that either. I just I just stick to red wine if I were you really. Um, but that scotch and soda is a good one. <laughs> I like that just honestly I'm being up front here on the podcast. Just you know, just as a cleanser. So how it's important to you? It massively it is. Yeah. And because I've been through that whole cycle of when you're a professional athlete. And then having the other side where now that you've abused your system really for such a long time, having entered my 50s, I've got to um, be more sensible and savvy about, particularly about what you eat and what alcohol you drink. Mm. It's as simple as that, and when you do it. But as a young um, athlete, did you, before Kim came into your life, Mm. did you, um, were you the typical athlete that we seem to be seeing on the, you know, in the papers, in the news, where, you know, they're out there doing their sport, but they're also out there drinking and abusing their bodies. Yeah. And also, I, mean, I, I liked a few beers. I, I, you know, as a teenager coming into my early, and through my early 20s, um, yeah, I mean, I like, I remember, I remember for me, liking a few beers, and I liked a little bit of port, and that was the thing I ended up, I really don't miss now because it makes me ill. Um, 
port, and I'd have a few cigars and stuff, you know, a few cigars here and there. So you didn't do what some of the athletes that we see. And they can do I, 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 I see it, it staggers me, because they're that high end, mm. and they put their body through a immense amount that they binge or do stuff. But you crazy. also found out you only had one kidney. Yeah, and I found that in 1990, I was 24, so I needed to be sensible, mm. and I was very staunch about that. Um, and then, of course, and then, and then after that, then my sister's death. And yeah, look, and, I, and I'm honest on this podcast. I'm really open to that and having that and using that as an excuse. Mm. Um, and my own self pity and wallowing was that I abused drinking and I, I cut loose badly. You know, I really did smash alcohol, particularly vodka, um, to get me through, as it were, was what I thought was getting me through. Mm. Stupid. Um, was that you do? And then you realise what you've got to then pull back and then subsequently, you know. Um, Drink a lot less. Um, ideally, shouldn't drink spirits, and I really don't. I went off it for five years. But again, I'm just being honest here. I've had the odd scotch and soda lately, and, and Kim knows I work in the Caribbean. I've had the odd rum and coconut water. You like it with coconut water. Very, very good. Very good cleanser. But I don't, I don't, I don't really just get off on it. And you are, health is a massive thing for me, and it has to be because of my one kidney. Um, and you're about to turn 50. Well, I have turned 50. Well, you have, but we're about to do the birthday party. Oh, it's true, yeah, we're related, right. So you're right, and so I think from that perspective, and then seeing Carlos Sanchez, I mean, again, and lots of us have had different wake-up calls at different times of our lives. You just you just do a bit. But, you know, I also think, realistically, life's about a little bit of living and, and certain celebrations of things or, you know, um, without overdoing it. I think, again, it's just in moderation. It's famously clichéd to say. Hmm. It's about just knowing knowing your own body, going to have a medical and checking out what's this and what shortcomings are there and, you know. I think the thing for you has been really learning the, the symptoms or what occurs. So he know, he knew beer, sugar, the gluten, things. gluten were his three big enemies. Has he stopped them altogether? The beer has. Um, have the other things? It'll be lovely one day when he... Really embraces it. <laughs> I just think it around. I, I need I'd look, and I'd need to do some of the testing. I'm, I'm really up for that. Sometimes it takes a crisis before you make the change. Yeah, you know, and we find that with so many people, they wait for a, a crisis. Um, we were talking about this over the weekend. There was there were people in there that they got to a crisis, and that's why they decided to change what they were doing. But then some people get to a crisis and don't change. So, yeah. What about you, Howie? Um, it's an art form in motion mm. for me. Mm. You know, it's still learning. Yeah, um, a perfect art form, but you know. <laughs> 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 um, no, it's an art form in motion. You know, I was interested in health and fitness from right very early age. Did I know where to go and find the information about health? No. But was I fit? Bloody oath I was. You know, I've always trained, always been in the gym, always been a sprinter. I'm not a long distance runner. Very fit in the police, very fit for the bodyguard work, um, fit when I came out of there, physical education teacher, so it wasn't you know, the reading, writing, arithmetic, I was a PT instructor. Um, so always involved in that fitness side of things. In dietary, not so much because I figured out, well, if I drink five beers, I'm going to go for a big run tomorrow, so I'll just run it off. So the learning curve in terms of food-wise for me has been massive over the last 30 years. Absolutely massive. I couldn't figure out why I had gut issues for a long time. Cindy and I went to Thailand. I was away two weeks, came back from that feeling absolutely fantastic, got back in a Western diet, felt like crap. Suddenly the light bulb came on. 
you know, all these years with gluten intolerance. And it's been a massive Silly. learning curve from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always a, a massive things happening now. You know, as I get further on in my age, this, you know, crisis is cropping up mm-hmm. and you learn. So Change, just cut learn. Oh, six <laughs> stitches in my hand. Yeah, seven. you know, seven. seven sorry, stitches. seven stitches. Seven yeah. ones. So it's you know, it's it's something, and and as more information comes to light, you know, we change. And we learn, and what's if we it, stop learning, it's a bit boring, isn't it? What's it like being married to Cindy O'Meara? Oh, don't oh, funny getting that question. It's really interesting because um, <laughs> Cindy's Cindy's dad um, said the same quote some years back. Um, regarding Cindy's mum, so it hasn't worked. And, I, and I'm exactly the same. No, you're going to say. Yeah, what he, said, what he said was, and I quote, I'm a, I'm a victim of the last book my wife read. <laughs> and it's exactly right, you know. Cindy, read this book, and then we've got to have this massive change through change the household. Habits, you know? <laughs> and then, then a month later, there'll be another book, and there'll be another massive change, and then the pantry will get swept out, you know, and all this kind of I thing. I disagree with that one. Well, that's my, that's my viewpoint. It's all about me at the moment. It's all about me at the moment. It's always been. It's evolving. It's that kind of thing. It evolves. That's what it is. It's an evolution. So I believe that, and I'm the victim of the last book my wife read. That certainly does happen. Yeah. Or the latest research or the latest thing. Yeah, same thing. You, same, same, um, but different. And I guess, and the same could be said for the opposite as well, that we all, we're the victims of each other's latest information that we've learnt. And, and, you know, going back to the business, I'm sure you felt the same when he's got these massive visions and focus sheets and all of that sort of stuff that you have to do. But from a health perspective for you, Howie, are we allowed to say how old you are or how young you are? Yeah. In your... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm in my forties, so you can pass it on, no problems at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're you've had your sixtieth, like um, mm. we know that you're getting older. What's your philosophy? <laughs> really, thank you. We, well, we all are. It's a it's a privilege. Yeah. Yes, um, it is. But as a man in his sixties, and Danny as a man in your fifties, what would your? I mean, I know both of you would not like to live a long life if it was not if it was on medications and drugs and couldn't walk and train and everything, how do you guys, I mean, we've talked about how your food's important, we know that, your movement's important. What about from a spiritual, emotional point of view as far as getting older is concerned? Do you find yourselves getting wiser? Do you feel like you're, you know, like what is your philosophy on life now in this stage of your life as opposed to what it was when you were younger? Well, you certainly get experience. You know, and that's just what I'm talking about. You know, you get experience. How to get experience by making mistakes. How do you make mistakes by getting experience? So it kind of goes around and around and around. Um, but in terms of getting older, the biggest thing for me is attitude. You know, people say to me, yeah, gee, you're going well, you're fit, you know, you're getting out there and doing this stuff. What's the key? I just go, it's attitude. It really is. You know, I've got mates who are younger than me, but by gee, they're older. Like Dan? Like Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he? Who's, Who's he? he? Yeah, oh, he's not this young Dan. man sitting oh, opposite me. No, it's oh, another guy. Dan. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> but it's attitude, you know? It really is attitude. If, so is it health and fitness? Yeah. Certainly a big part of it. But for me, the main thing is attitude. You know, if you go to make yourself every day get out of bed and feel old, you will be old. You know? And certainly there's no one's perfect. No one is perfect. There's days sometimes I get out of bed and I go, gee, for some this is... The joints are creaking a bit, and I oh well okay, but then if you did that every day, not good. But not you're good. not someone who um, 
I don't think you're someone who believes in getting older. You're just someone who's gracefully aging. You're someone who's very aware of the fact that you have to keep moving. You have to keep active. You have to keep connected. You have to keep... Like, I could never imagine you sitting on your laurels, or you, sitting there going, oh, I've got a sore back, therefore I can't move. Mm. You'd be someone, both of you, that would... learning as well. You know, the the thing I love for changing habits is I'm learning. Something happens every day where I learn. And if, if people, you know, we get these people who retire at whatever, 40, 50, whatever they, and they go backwards because they're not using their brain, nothing's happening, they're not learning, they're not growing. So, but that's part of that attitude as well. Have the attitude where, you know, it's a positive day, you know, I'm going to make the most of the day, I'm going to learn something, and I'm going to do something to contribute to mankind, to the world. Often so the team over there, you know, we're not out there just dispatching products, we're dispatching hope. We're not just coming to work every day for a job because it's a higher purpose. And if you have a higher purpose, then your life's going to be great. And you won't age as quick. If you've got something to work for and it's great and a challenge, yeah. life's going to be pretty good. I noticed that with you, Dan, when, when like, as, as much as, you know, people might say, oh, you're just a cricket commentator, you change lives. You make people's lives. When, when I watch people touch him or, you know, we're in India and they just think he's this god. Like, And it's the same. Both our men are so wise and so we're very blessed. We are very, very blessed and humbled to be married to you both. Well, I'm not married to you both, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, you may as well have been yesterday. It was hilarious. Hey, um... You know, I was thinking about Dan. Um, I was in Abu Dhabi and I was on a, a trip out to the, the desert and there was an Indian family in there and there was some Europeans in there and I, and I was in there. And anyway, on the way out, um, there had been a kerfuffle between the Indian family and the driver. So I kind of stayed very quiet all the way out. And then on the way back in, everyone had calmed down and um, they were talking about the cricket. And I went, oh, so you listen to the cricket. And they said yes. And I said, oh, do you know Danny Morrison? <laughs> I did. I said, do you know Danny Morrison, the, the commentator? And, Danny Morrison, Danny Morrison. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They were so excited that I knew you. <laughs> and that's the this thing. is in Abu Dhabi, in the desert, an Indian family was so excited that I knew Danny Morrison. And as Howie just mentioned, I know, to bring this back. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, no, just no, had, I just forgot about it. Yeah. Is that... And what Howie's saying, and you're coming to work for a higher purpose. And I remember Kim saying this: look at what you do for people that you know. We, we particularly with cricket, in terms of commentating and entertaining them, and being in this realm of that, is that's what I love doing. In mm. terms of going back there, the higher purpose for me, and people, you do that trek, or you're in out of hotels, you live out of a suitcase, you're on the, But at the same time, you realise, look what you're doing for people's hearts that do a mundane yeah. job. They they struggle every day. They, struggle to make a living every day, particularly in India and Sri Lanka and that, and how much joy you bring to them and uplift them. So I think for all of us, keeping that in mind and keeping it simple like that, that you are, in a way, learning to give. And if you can give, and again, it's a wonderful, almost biblical cliche, it is better to give than receive. And so in terms of giving of yourself, giving of your time, and not getting too grumpy about all these people that want to now take selfies with you at airports and stuff and trying to get through in terms of travelling. You've got to take a deep breath and go, they're doing this because you're actually uplifting them, mm. making a difference in their life to be happier. Changing their lives or changing habits yeah. and changing their lives, you know. And, and I, I 
find when, you know, we've travelled with you. Um, you know, being, I remember being in Melbourne and half of New Zealand were in Melbourne and and I didn't know you at that stage and I didn't I didn't follow cricket. You I got know. a very privileged ticket to an All Black game. I did, I did. The three wow. of us were yes. gutted that you weren't into it the way we were. We were so absolutely happy. annoyed that you didn't have a scarf, so we were going to buy you an All Black one, but we made you buy an Australian one. We all walked in very happy and everyone yelling out Danny, Danny, Danny and all these things. None of We didn't even get to watch the game with Danny because there were so many people talking to Danny. And who flipping well won? Australia. Yeah. And the three of us walked out miserable. <laughs> Changing lives. No, but what was funny, half of New Zealand was there. Half of them saw Danny, I'm sure. And because I didn't know, I didn't know cricket and I didn't know the fame of Danny Morrison. Radio show, yeah. yeah, and I didn't know the fame of Danny Morrison. And, and I'd say to Kim, does he know all these people? <laughs> yeah, they're all from my neighbourhood. Does he know the whole lot? <laughs> Yeah. But you did. You made them happy. And you made them happy. We make them. We make other people happy in other mm-hmm. lives. Walks mm-hmm. like exactly what I always say. Mm-hmm. Just touching people's lives and making a difference for them. Mm-hmm. And actually, no matter how small it is, you got to be grateful. And as you say, grateful to be able to keep doing what we like doing. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, with, when we did changing habits together, Howie and I. Um, it meant we went from a, 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 a small company to quite a big company, becoming well-known not only in Australia but around the world. Mm-hmm. So together as a force um, and as a collaboration and as a husband and wife and as a family, we're able to affect more people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. What's your favourite quote you've ever lived by? Or the one that you're loving at the moment, both of you. A quote. Um, um, in fact, I'm just reading this book, and how he knows the author too. A guy called Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Outliers. Oh, I love that. And, book. and, and just mm-hmm. yeah, the secret of success, and, and perhaps mm-hmm. your your background, where you've come from. And it was fascinating just to hear and, and all these different examples about people coming from different backgrounds and getting opportunities. And so really, it was. And he just said that the underlying thing for a lot of people is, at the end of the day, it comes back to you your own person and how comfortable you feel about your own person your own skin to then go out and make a difference how you want to make a difference in your own skin then helping others but you've got to help yourself first nice nice gee uh, there's so many um particularly uh, one mentor of mine robin sharma um, the monk who solves ferrari uh, the leader who has no title there's so much in there so many quotes but i guess my favorite and i alluded to before was muhammad ali where, you know, there's no shame in getting knocked down. The only shame is when you don't get up. Mm. And, you know, I live by that. Mm. Live by it. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say, either of you? What a privilege it's been to be mm. on our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so blessed. How, so we're so blessed. How much yeah. you love us, yes. how incredible we are. No, 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 I mean, no, did you want to say anything? No. I'm just giving you the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we're not talking? <laughs> On behalf of our sponsors, we're now like to close down and say that. I know, I noticed that. I noticed that. Well, listen, I'd just like to say, because of uh, the old uh, body language, 22,000 commutative gestures. Ellen Peace. Ellen Peace, men. 7,000 compared to 22. I think, I think you've done your two yeah. days' <laughs> worth, both of you. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for having us on the podcast. Yeah. And um, I really hope we can share, we could have shared, we have shared information with people mm-hmm. and uh, that they find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love to get some feedback. Love yeah. to. Well, on that note, we would love to say that if you would like to ask Howard or Danny any questions, as you know, you can go to all the W's 
dot the wellness couch forward slash up for a chat and post any comments and questions there. You can also go to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And we will be checking these posts uh, because I'm sure for many of our listeners, and you'll both be really appreciative of this, a lot of their husbands and partners do listen to our podcast. I think they get them in the car and they have to listen to us. But they have been asking for three years to hear what our men are and who you are. And as much as we miss Maddie on here and darling Karen, it's, it really has been a privilege for us to, to have you guys on here and to share what you mean to us. So don't forget to go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating because we love that five-star rating. Again, like Howie and Danny have both alluded to, the more people we share this with, the more people we can help serve and in turn honour and give back. So on behalf of all four of us, if you would like to continue the journey, then make sure you stay tuned next week and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.